Right, so another Wednesday, another episode of In The Clinch. Benjamin, how you doing, mate? Good weekends? Well, yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal weekend, mate. No more kids to look after, no more school. <laughs> Freedom, mate. Yeah, pros and cons, man. Uh, I miss the little fellas. It was a joy working with them, but uh, yeah, time to uh, move on to bigger things. Bigger fish to fry. But no, I was at a festival this weekend. It was quality. Good to be back. Felt like COVID was just a distant memory. So yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Enjoying our newfound freedom mm-hmm. after, yeah, pretty awful two years. But during that two years, as as we well know, the UFC show doesn't stop now. We had another pretty tremendous fight night uh, on Saturday. So funny with the UFC, every time there's a card that you think, when you look at it and think, oh, you know, maybe this one is a bit, potentially a bit dry, I don't know. It just performs. I mean, co-main, I've personally never heard of Carla Phillips and Piva, but that was unbelievable. Yanis Costa, etc. But anyway, we'll start with Sanhagen, TJ Dillashaw. I was going to ask you straight up initial thoughts on the fight. Sure. So I'll try and be as objective as possible with this. Uh, it's no secret. I'm not the biggest fan of TJ Dillashaw, but uh, I think he actually deserves a lot of credit for how he performed, especially after being banned for two years. We all know he's popped for EPO. But yeah, I mean, I honestly think that it depends how you judge a fight. I think if you're going to take damage into account, I personally would have given it to Sandhagen. I think he did more damage throughout the fight. I think he more, uh, I think he landed the more damaging shots. TJ controlled like the center of the octagon. He controlled some of the grappling exchanges, held Sandhagen against the fence a bit, landed a couple of takedowns. Honestly, he didn't do a lot with the takedowns. But I think that's probably what won it in the eyes of the judges. Uh, but for me personally, I wouldn't have been mad if it had gone to Sandhagen. I can't, it feels weird saying Sandhagen lost that fight, to be honest. I don't think he lost that fight. Yeah, it was, um, it was super duper close. Like you look at uh, Verdict MMA, which is, to be honest, I think the most reliable and accurate source of judging in MMA because the judges in UFC, Bellator, PFL, one, are just very consistent at getting it wrong. Um, and Verdict MMA had it down as being literally the closest fight ever. So obviously, I think it was 48-47 Sanhagen and two judges had it 48-47 to Dillashaw. So Dillashaw won by split decision. On Verdict MMA, I think they had it was 47.52 to each fighter, which is just like insane. And you look at the stats, you know, Sanhagen landed 171 strikes and Dillashaw landed 169, like, you know, two strikes in it. And they both threw 331 strikes. So, like, razor, razor thin. Uh, I totally agree with you, though. I think Sanhagen won that fight. When I watched it live, I thought Dillashaw did because of how controlling he was throughout the fight. Uh, like you say, he dictated where it went. He initiated a lot of the grappling, but I don't think he had much success. He only landed, or he only completed two out of 19 takedowns. So he had 10.5% takedown, which is obviously not good. And San Angel landed more significant strikes and just did more damage, as you say. I think one of the interesting things we continue to find with the judging in MMA is that they don't judge how the ground game goes accurately enough. So I said to you earlier, if you look at the fight back in the first round, Sanhagen, well, TJ, TJ's knee pops. I think his MCL uh, went. That came from a submission attempt from Sanhagen, from a leg lock. So I don't know how that doesn't hold more weight than the amount of takedowns that TJ had, if you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. surely uh, that submission attempt that injured t- TJ stands for yeah. more than the two takedowns and the amount of and, scrambling. And, and, and this however, is Sorry, and just however much time TJ was on top for. Because it seems to be that basically if you're on top, the judges are going to give you points for it, where 
that just isn't the case or it shouldn't be judged that way. Oh, exactly. It's it's just the bigger issue of judging within MMA is that, and it's it's been banged on about now for years, is that MMA judges aren't well-versed enough in MMA. So you've got these people who don't actually know what they're looking at. And then like, so they'll see, so they'll, they'll see TJ land a takedown on Sandhagen immediately start giving points to TJ. Even if Sandhagen has, ne- has then like attempted uh, a submission off his back has popped TJ's knee, literally fucked his knee up. Majority of judges within MMA and UFC won't even understand that or see that. And therefore the advantage will still go to whoever landed the takedown in the first place. So it's like, it's, it's a bit of a piss take. But it's just a wider issue of judging with MMA, to be honest. Yeah, and there were, there were a lot of moments like that in the fight, like we saw in the first round. So when Sanhagen landed that flying knee, then I guess you could argue that TJ then took him down, but Sanhagen threw up that inverted triangle. So for me, Sanhagen deserves massive points throughout that. Whereas yeah. I can imagine judges would give TJ points for the takedown, where it's like, well, n- yeah, no. <laughs> but then, in fairness, in that scenario, uh, so it actually looked pretty tight, the inverted triangle. Yeah. But then the fact that TJ was able to get out of that triangle and end up on top, you have to then kind of put give points in his direction for getting yeah. out and escaping and ending up in a like better position. So it's tricky. Um, like I've heard. Joe Rogan and others say many times, you need more judges. Three, is it three or four? Three. Three, it's not enough. You need more judges. I just think you need ex-fighters as judges, to be honest. Exactly, ex-fighters or referees. It's that simple. And a lot of referees are ex-fighters anyway. That would make way more sense because then you'd have more like discussion amongst the judges. I think you could have judges kind of conversing with each other throughout to get each other's opinions and then you'd get a result that was way more fair to what actually happened within the fight uh, and yeah. it's not just this fight there was other fights even on this card that were a bit contentious that a lot of people kind of went back and forth about results so yeah it's just, it's just a deeper issue of judging within MMA but I guess if we stick to Dillashaw Sandhagen just technically as a fight phenomenal fight so high level. Uh, both these guys could potentially be champion. I know TJ has been champion, but both championship level fighters, no doubt whatsoever. Sandhagen's so impressive, man. I think the one technical issue that I think Daniel Cormier uh, pointed out throughout the fight is that Sandhagen was throwing a lot of spinning attacks and getting caught with his back facing the wrong way. Yeah. And TJ was uh, getting a lot of reads on that. And he got a few. Uh, he managed to land a few takedowns off the back of that. That's one of the technical errors I could point out from Sandhagen. But then on the flip side, he lands a lot of flashy stuff at the same time. Like he landed a couple of mad flying knees. Yeah, he landed a mad spinning back fist as well, which honestly could have knocked out so many fighters. So you got to respect TJ as well for his chin. I mean, he took some serious shots. But yeah, overall, just a mad fight. It was a quality fight, in fairness. Lived up to the to its billing. Yeah, absolutely. I think you definitely need to give props to TJ because stylistically, it's a it's just a horrible matchup for him. Uh, a lengthy, rangy striker against, you know, a shorter, powerful striker with a big wrestling game. And for him, it was always going to be, you know, he has to manage the, the reach advantage that Sanhagen has just sort of shoot in as quick as he can, land, take him down, and then get out of range. And in fairness to him, he did that exceptionally well. Having two years off as well, coming back and doing that, you know, I know, I think he's a cunt, but fair play. Like, he's, that was a phenomenal performance for him. Uh, He looked in really good nick as well. Like, uh, you know, there's so many rumours about him doing steroids even before he pissed off for EPO. Uh, and the way he looked, you know, certainly backs that up. But, you know, there's no way he'd still on it. You know, USADA would be all over him um, unless they aren't. Yeah. And also just the way you hear other fighters and analysts talk about him, 
supposedly in the gym, he's like just the most overly competitive cunt going. Yeah. Like he'll he'll there's footage of him throwing late shots, even in even in sparring. Yeah. So you kind of get that. I think that gives a, a fair reflection of his character, and that would that would be in line with someone that was willing to take EPO even way before he was caught doing it. But uh, I mean, he's a controversial figure, and he's now embracing the heel role. Yeah. Which I think, from a marketing standpoint, is pretty clever of him. But yeah. Uh, I honestly think Sandhagen pipped it in terms of damage. I think if you're talking about who's going to be more sore the day after that fight, it's TJ oh. every day of the week. Like he's needing surgery. His he was face lucky. Fast. He was lucky um, that that fight didn't get stopped with that cut. That cut looked really bad. Like deep, really bad, really deep. Um, when Herb Dean stopped it in the second, I thought this is it. There's no way it's going to carry on. But yeah, fair play. The um, doctors did him up well so uh i guess next we're gonna see dillashaw be the winner of jan vialjo would would you agree yeah yeah i'd say so and i was just gonna make the point that man 135 is so stacked at the minute man like sandhagen could easily still compete for the title he's he's right there uh but yeah, 135 is a division, mate. There's so many good matchups for both guys. But yeah, Dillashaw will probably fight the winner of uh, Yan and Sterling. And yeah, it's just it's an exciting time for that division, mate. Yeah, I think there's so many guys in there who are just one win away from a title shot. I think it just really, really annoying how the Yan Aljo fight originally ended because if it hadn't ended that way, the division would be so much more active now. Like we've gone... What was it? March was the title fight. Before that, it was about December, it was booked. So that we'd have like 10 months of the division being held up, really. And you've had guys like Rob Font, Sanhagen, TJ, all coming. Well, TJ coming back, but Sanhagen and Rob Font truly now ascending to the top. We was, you know, Aldo v. Pedro Munoz fighting in two weeks' time as well. Like, again, either of those guys, they're top five without a doubt. Uh, so, yeah, I guess. That's, Hopefully, San, um, sorry, Jan v. Aljamain Sterling happens. I think they're looking at November or September. So, yeah, I think I don't want to disrespect Aljamain off the back, but, mate, Jan v. DJ is just what a tremendous fight. That is. Yeah. That's mouth watering. <laughs> that is mouth watering. Aljo v. DJ would be fun, but yeah, Jan is. Just, he looks so flawless and well-rounded in all his fights. There's, I don't see I, it where TJ has an advantage there. I always, it's my default to say that Jan's the champ. Uh, yeah. My dad asked who the champ was of that division whilst we were watching the Corey TJ fight, and I was like, "Oh, it's Peter Jan." And I was like, "Oh, wait, no, it's fucking <laughs> it's Aljo." <laughs> How did that even happen? <laughs> he was getting destroyed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, regardless, it's uh, it's a bit of a shark tank now. One thirty-five. Yeah, it is. It really is. That's the thing with Sanhagen as well. Like, genuine Sanhagen, Rob Font, one one could win. You're in a title fight as long as the division has been held up. Because that, like, can you imagine if Aljo beats Yan now in the rematch? It's just gonna be like, uh, right? Well, we do number three, or <laughs> you just got either way. You've just got mad matchups all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If if you throw a little cash cow like Sean O'Malley in the mix, just makes yeah. things even more uh, tasty. As long as he actually like wants to fight someone in the top ten now, mm. him be I, yeah. The thing with thirty five as well, they're all just incredibly entertaining fighters. There's not really anyone in the top fifteen who, without you know, no disrespect, but who's like very, apart from maybe Marab who's very grappling heavy or like wrestling heavy, who doesn't have a uh, aesthetically pleasing style. So they're all just bangers. Like all the fights they could make, any matchup, absolutely banger. Right, moving on to the co-main event. We had Kyla Phillips v. Rowley and Paiva, uh, which was, again, another unbelievable fight. Some of the sequences and shots thrown here, a spinning heel kick, Phillips missed 
Was it Philip's Fiver? Yeah, no, it was that elbow. Mate, nasty. That was a frantic fight. I think Dominic Cruz said, I think it was like in the third round, he said, it's like these two are in a washing machine. <laughs> and I thought that was so accurate. Like it was just very, very frantic. The pace was crazy. First round, uh, Kyla Phillips dominated uh, 10 8, was landing some really, really heavy shots. Uh, was dominating the grappling exchanges as well. But then, what's his name? Piva came back second and third, and they were both just banging it out. Wicked fight. Wicked, wicked fight. Fight of the year contender for me. It was a seriously, seriously good fight. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun when you get, you know, two relatively unknowns just having absolute scrap on a co-main. Nothing Mate. better. Uh, it's, it speaks to what you said earlier as well. Like, I before this fight card was but like in the build up to this fight card I only knew about TJ and Corey I yeah. literally didn't even know about a single other fight on this card but mate this card delivered there was so many scraps it was wicked yeah it was it was, uh, it was really good I didn't realize Piva's only 25 trains at Team Alpha Male uh, 21 and 3 in the UFC that's mad. He looks I like thought, quite a big prospect. I did think Kyler Phillips did enough to win. I thought yeah. the decision was going to go his way. I was quite surprised that Piva won because I thought Phillips did more damage. But to be fair, Piva, Piva's a beast as well, to be honest. But I thought Phillips landed the more damaging heavy shots throughout. But mad yeah. credit to Piva to keep himself in the fight and then gra- grab the dub. Yeah, absolutely. So... <clears throat> Next fight, Darren Elkins with Derek Minor or Minna. Uh, yeah, like Darren Elkins, probably the toughest guy in the UFC. Uh, genuinely think the more damage he takes, the stronger he becomes because, like, I don't even know. He's made of cement or something. I, I don't understand. I don't understand his makeup. Like, can't, I, don't, I don't know, mate. I'm lost for words. Yeah, take over. He is... As you said, probably the toughest guy in the UFC. Like they compared him to Homer Simpson in the episode where he fights Mike Tyson and ends up beating Mike Tyson just through tiring out Mike, through taking loads of shots. Uh yeah, he Darren Elkins, man. And he's been in so many fights like this as well, where he's just yeah. getting pieced up. The other guy gets tired from piecing him up, and then Elkins is just still in the fight somehow. Takes dude down, smashes him up on the ground, either chokes him out or finishes him with ground and pound. This has happened like his last few fights. He's 37, I think, 38. 37, yeah. 37, mate. Jeez. He's an animal. Like, he's a spokesperson for CTE, but either way, like, he's <laughs> seriously so, so tough. If, if you want to uh, just talk about heart, grit, determination, mate, he's an animal. He's just like, he's such a legend as well. I'm just looking at his record now. I'm just looking at, He got submitted by Oliveira in 2010. <laughs> Beat Diego Brandao in 2012. Lost to Chad Mendes 2013. Lost to Jeremy Stevens 2014. Beat Michael Johnson in 28. Like, his record's just hilarious. Like, it, he did well as well. He was, he was on a four-fight losing streak as well up until last year. Uh, where he came back and choked out Garagori and now Derek Minna, like he's back on the bandwagon. But guys like him, just what a horrible fight for anyone. Why would anyone want to fight him? Like, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. It's, it's crazy. You're you know that you're technically better yeah. than this person, but you just can't beat them because they got too much heart. They're too tough. They don't get knocked out. They don't get submit like he doesn't get submitted. Even when he's like in tight submissions, he just doesn't tap. Doesn't seem to have the ability to go out somehow. Mate, he's just a machine. Like then just Minna, the guy who's fighting, is so legit as well. Like has serious submission skills. Got him in a guillotine in like the first round, and that's like his his signature fucking move that he's obviously drilled thousands of times. Had it tight. And Elkins is just like, yeah, nah, not tapping, mate. <laughs> uh, mate, what a beast. 
Yeah. The damage. Oh. Mad props to Clan Tokens. Um yeah. So we'll wrap up the card. Macy Barber got robbed. No, sorry. Miranda Maverick got robbed. Uh because Macy Barber, but uh, and then Adrian Yanez v Randy Corstar, which was a really, really fun fight. Really fun build up as well. Uh, I don't know, probably most people didn't see on Twitter, but they had like a lot of really wholesome back and forth about it's so American, but I think Adrian Yanez is like was saying that he's like rep- representing Dr. Pepper and Randy Costa representing Reese's Pieces. Um, so American, but yeah, it was pretty funny. And then, yeah, Yanez, that finishing sequence was uh, I felt kind of sorry for Costa. I thought like I think he must have just been like blowing. He was just kind of because the way he was covering up and not really returning any shots, I can only assume that he kind of just ran out of gas and Yanez just capitalized on that by throwing, yeah, some most ridiculous just flurry of jabs and hooks and body shots. Costa was piecing Yanez up for 90% of the first round. Like he was literally smashing Yanez. I'd never heard of Costa before, and I've seen Yanez in like a few fights. He's been flawless in his last few fights. He's a beast. And Costa was like piecing him up properly, constantly moving, constantly landed. I'd be amazed to know how many jabs he landed that first round. He was jabbing Yanis's face off, landed a few head kicks, just looked really, really solid and kind of unpredictable. But I just think that he kind of overworked and overthrew in that first round and kind of just gassed himself out. Then Yanis came back towards the end of the first ultimately finished him in the second but yeah another really fun fight as you said great scrap yeah it was a hell of a lot of fun it's just so funny I, I give a quick shout out to Mickey Gould as well you got a pretty mad knockout oh so I think he was at submission actually was it uh, yeah pretty mad rear naked choke on Jordan Williams uh, on the prelims after losing quite a few fights but yeah anyway quite a lot of fight news this week um where shall we start, Benjamin? Where shall we start? McGregor being a cunt? That's yeah, one recent as well. Good as ah, COVID. So, so Khabib, Khabib tweeted, good always defeats evil. Oh, that was it, yeah. And then Connor tweeted, in a tweet that he's since deleted, he said, "What? Well, so COVID is good and your father is evil. Talking about Khabib's dead dad. Fuck. Yeah, it's a bit harsh, man. Yeah, I mean, if you had any shred of like, like if you, you liked Connor, him? yeah. <laughs> if you're a fan though, and you actually liked Connor at all, even a tiny bit, that's probably gone now. Guy's eh? <laughs> just a cunt. He's yes. really like, I can't, I can't even get behind him at all anymore. I just think, and he's deleted that as well. Like, it's, nah. He's had a few too many drinks. He's gone onto Twitter, and then he's just like, "Oh yeah, nah, 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 nah." Yeah, nah. He's a cunt. I mean, it's really, it's pretty simple. And I, I don't have, I don't know. It's, I just, it's so hard because he's Conor McGregor. Like, as disgusting and abhorrent as that is, <laughs> like, I don't think he means it. Like, he just he doesn't. Like, I don't think he means anything. He's like a, he's just such a facade. He's such a persona. Yeah. Like, I. Yeah, I have very mixed feelings about Connor. He's such a... You can't deny it, like, we're always going to watch him fight. So, whether you're rooting for or against him, you're going to tune in. It just comes across as so bitter, though, because when they actually fought, Khabib mauled him. (laughs) He literally fucked him up. Just comes across as someone who's, like, really bitter still about that loss. Yeah, well, more than that, it's just a fucking horrible thing to say. Like Horrible. Not even the bitterness that comes into it. Just, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why would you say that? Like, Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, who knows, man? I would love to be him for a day or just be in his mind for a day and just understand the complexities of having that amount of wealth and that much money and that much shit going on in your life and just... just I can't even fathom how, not how he copes with it, but just how, what that life is like. Like, what a, 
I mean, it just must be just fucking mental. Not an excuse because, for him, like yeah. saying that. I'm not. I'm not excusing it at all. I'm just saying, like, I can't even imagine what his life must be like. It, it strikes me as so strange, though, that a guy who's like <laughs> as rich as he is could just literally shut off from the world of social media, like get get his feet and his back rubbed all day, <laughs> just lie on a bed of rose petals and just chill the fuck out. And then uh, say but nah, instead, she goes on Twitter, just tweets this petty shit. It's like, what are you doing? Him and John Jones are cut from the same cloth. A hundred percent. Actually, no. Connor's Connor doesn't do drugs, and it. I was gonna uh, say, I was gonna say, doesn't hit pregnant women with his car, but you know, knocks out old men instead. So, you, do you know, say he doesn't do drugs? Uh, you sure, performance you sure enhancing that, drugs. Oh yeah, fair. Is what I meant. I was gonna. Well, um, the funny thing about it all is that Khabib's retired. There's no need to go after him. Like he's retired. He's not gonna. He's not gonna fight you. You might. Why don't you just forget about it? Like just shut the fuck up and never talk about it ever again. Bury it deep down inside and just forget that it ever happened. And when people are like, "Oh yeah, remember when you lost to Khabib?" Just like, what? Who? Who the fuck's Khabib, man? I don't, I don't know who that is. Yeah. So in summary. Conor McGregor, it's just, he's just a bell end, to be fair. But yeah. as you say, he is a character. It's a, it's an act. It's a facade. But man, well, speaking of speaking of bell ends and characters, Colby uh, yeah. Covington's gonna fight Usman again at MSG hey. in November. Uh, you like that segue, don't you, man? Yeah, I love that. I uh, love that professional podcast, man. Yeah, uh, I love to hear it as well. Sick news. Yeah. So, it's Kamaru, it's Kamaru's biggest challenge at welterweight. So, you think you think Colby again is his biggest challenge at welterweight? I think so. Yeah, I, I think Colby's come closer than anyone else to beating Usman. Took him five rounds with a broken jaw. Literally had to get got, went out on his shield at the end of the fight. Wasn't actually out. Ah oh, man, I as much as Colby Covington is like the heel and a dickhead, whatever. That it is a legit act, and he but, is actually a phenomenal fighter. Oh, yeah, no doubt he's he's a phenomenal fighter. But do you think that Usman fighting him for the second time now, being the fighter that he is, is more of a challenge than him fighting Gilbert Burns back in January? In terms of yeah. like Gilbert was his training partner, they knew each other. Whereas Colby mm-hmm. now, honestly, I'm going to say Colby doesn't make it out of the second round. I think Usman's going to knock him the fuck out. Yeah, he might. But I think since the first fight, I think Colby would have made a lot of adjustments and improvements as well. And honestly, don't don't be surprised if you see another banger of a fight. Like oh, no, I think, it'll be, a, I think it'll be a banger for sure. But I just, I think Usman is such a better fighter now. And Colby has, what, he lost that fight. And he then he grappled fought Tyron Woodley. And then Tyron Woodley broke his ribs. So the fight was stopped. And Colby's done nothing since. I think Usman's evolution as a fighter since the first Colby fight. Five rounds with Masvidal. The Gilbert Burns camp and fight. Which went on for ages because Gilbert had COVID. Not to mention training with Trevor Whitman, Gaytree and all them. And then the second Masvidal fight. Nate. I think Colby's going to get absolutely smashed. Um, I don't think it's going to go more than three rounds. I might be completely wrong. Uh, I've no doubt that Colby is a tremendous fighter, but I do think he fucked up by not taking another fight to sharpen his tools a bit because I think Usman's coming in red hot, ready to go. Um, Yeah, I might be wrong. No, actually, I think from what you said there, you're you're absolutely spot on. In fairness, uh, Usman, his striking especially has just come leaps and bounds even since that uh, first Colby fight. <clears throat> and actually wouldn't be surprised if he knocked Colby out. But at the same time, I think the amount of Colby, the amount of damage Colby took in that first fight just kept moving forward. He ate a lot of those right hands from Kamaru. Yeah. And didn't go out. I just think he's so durable, man. He's so, so durable. 
But then you could have said that about Masvidal before Usman went and KO'd flatlined him because we hadn't seen Masvidal even knocked out in like 50 fights. So yeah, Usman is on just an absolute tear at the moment. And if he does knock Colby Covington out in the first three rounds, man, you got to just doff your cap and say, eh, Kamaru, you're the fucking best, mate. I mean, I think- he already is. He already is, but... Yeah, it would just further cement that. He'll be fighter of the year, no doubt. Imagine in a year he beats Masvidal, Burns, and Colby, and knocks. Well, I don't know how the Colby fight goes, but he knocks out Burns and Masvidal. Mate, pound for pound, looking at the best fire on the planet. Who would even fight next? If Leon. Like Leon, yeah, yeah. But even then, like, <laughs> I think Leon would be in for a rude awakening if they fought. Like, I don't know. Again, I just don't. Usman's so solid. Like he's fundamentally just so profoundly good. It's I don't understand how you beat him. Go, yeah, Gilbert you could... got close by mm. knocking him down, but mate, Gilbert's Gilbert's probably the hardest hitter out of Leon and Colby. Would you agree? Got a good got got power in his hands. Yeah, hundred percent. And he knocked Usman down, and Usman recovered, got back up. Yeah, I just think uh, I think his and Leon would be a good fight, but I, I can't see anyone beating Usman not for a a long time anyway. Yeah, I think uh, I think you could be right to be honest. Usman is you can't take him down; you have to stand yeah. with him, and his stand up now is just really, really scary. Or he's going to take better. you down, and he's going to fucking smash your face. Yeah, he's got Khabib. He's got close to Khabib level dominance against the cage. Like, he's so strong. And his wrestling, like, his actual technical ability of wrestling is phenomenal as well. So, yeah, he's just like the complete MMA package now. And with Trevor Whitman as his coach, he's only going to be getting better and better and better. Yeah. So, yeah, good luck beating him. That's uh, Just to finish up on this as well, like, just activity is so important as well. And, we, like, we've seen that with Usman. He's fought, what, I think six six times in the last two years. Around that, whereas Colby's twice in the last two years, you know. Anyway, yeah, Usman, fucking pretty good, eh? Uh, so yeah, we'll change, change waves slightly. Logan Paul, rumored to be fighting, or sorry, boxing, Anderson Silva, uh, in the next few months, which is a, uh, I'll be honest, I'm up for that. That that nicely wets the whistle, I must say. I like that. That's a good fight. I think Logan Paul, I don't think he's going to like what's coming. Anderson was looking pretty juicy in uh, in his last boxing fight against Julio Cesar Chavez and beat Julio Cesar Chavez. Logan Paul isn't really a boxer. So, yeah, as far as these YouTube boxing fights go, I, I'd enjoy that. I want, I'd quite like to see that. Yeah. Logan, you might have looked all right against a past it Floyd, who's five foot nothing and one hundred and forty something pounds. But you're dealing with a spider now, mate. <laughs> Big, rangy Anderson Silva, juice to the tits, insane head movement, long. Yeah, Logan, mate, pick your poison. Yeah, honestly, I I really think Anderson boxes face off. I. I I saw that Logan was the favourite as well. And I'm telling you now, anyone, bet the house on Anderson. I, I don't see how Logan Paul wins that fight or wins that boxing match because Anderson is a, such a good striker. Like, even if he's past it, I just... I don't think... He's I think, so much bigger than Floyd Mayweather as well. Yeah, is he bigger than Paul? How... What is Anderson? Like, 6'1"? He's fucking big. Like he's fucking. Have you seen the video of him messing about with John Jones in the street? No. They like they're a similar size. He's fucking massive. Five, didn't he? So it makes. He fought Adesanya and he didn't look smaller. Adesanya's a big lad, mate. He won't look big. He won't be dwarfed by Logan Paul the way like uh, Floyd Mayweather was. And yeah, Logan Paul. I mean, granted, he was fighting fucking Floyd Mayweather, greatest boxer of his generation. 
But he couldn't get Floyd out of there. That fight was just a boot. It wasn't a fight anyway. It was an exhibition. Yeah. Fucking. I don't, yeah, you're, it was wherever. So that's why I'm yeah. even more interested to see, oh, okay, an actual boxing fight, like an, an actual proper gloves, no head, head, no head guards, referee, judges, an actual boxing match against Anderson. Why, why don't they just do MMA? <laughs> like, yeah, I think Logan we all know Paul, why, Matt. Logan Paul's a real, like established collegiate wrestler, and now he loves boxing for some reason. Just get an MMA, get in the cage, man. Let Anderson uh, give you a few kicks to the leg, Matt. Uh, it'll be a good day when um, I mean, one of these guys finally decide to step into the octagon. But Grove here. We all know it's not going to happen, mate. Right? So, nah. yeah, back to the MMA scene. I think we actually deserve to take some credit for this because I remember very clearly when Barbosa knocked out uh, Shane Burgos. Shane Burgos, thank you. We said, oh, you know, it would be a great fight. Uh, Barbosa v. Giga Chikads. And the MMA gods listened, Matt. And uh, so Giga We were laughed at by the MMA community <laughs> at that suggestion. No one took us seriously. <laughs> and guess what? Here Who's it is. laughing now? Uh, yeah, so August the 28th, my mom's birthday, at the Apex, Barbosa v. Giga. Uh, main event, co-main as well, Sean Brady v. Kevin Lee. That's a nice little fight like that. But yeah, Barbosa v. Chikads. Oh, yes. Fuck yeah. Let's fucking go. That is just a very kick-heavy, delicious striking match. That's going to be so sick. That is going to be so fucking sick. What do you reckon? Yeah, Yeah, I'm happy they've stopped feeding uh, Edson like sick grapplers who just take him down and maul him. Yeah. I'm happy that they're giving him like actual stand-up kickboxers now so we can just watch him do his thing. Well, we said this um, last time, innit? Like, at 45, there's no real grapple-heavy fighters, apart from Evlerev. Um Barbosa, like, he's got a good shot. If he can just win the striking battles against these guys, he has a good chance of definitely progressing throughout the division anyway. Definitely. That's a good chance for Giga to uh, increase his profile as well because he's not very well known, but he's a phenomenal stand-up fighter. Yeah, I think he, he did well. And his last, I think they're building him up quite nicely too. Like, he, was it he beat um, what Cub Swanson like straight away in, yep. in a minute or so with a body shot last fight? And yeah, apart from that, he's only had a couple of fights in the UFC. Um, I'm just looking at his background because I don't actually know too much about him. He's a six he foot featherweight, which is pretty nuts. He's a sick kickboxer. Yeah, style. Goju Ryu, karate, kickboxing, fighting out of Georgia, King's MMA, third degree black belt in karate. He's got a 38 and 6 kickboxing record. 15 and 13. Oh, sorry. 13 and 2 MMA. So he's solid as fuck. He competed in the, the sort of prime kickboxing organization, Glory. Yeah. Um, and Gladiator sorry. too. You can tell his kickboxing is no joke, eh? Yeah, came through on the contender series and uh and yeah, good for him, man. I really enjoy watching him fight. He's so fun to watch. That liver so, kick is disgusting. Yeah, really nasty. His switch kicks are horrible. Hey, you know who else has really good switch kicks? Tell me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tremendous matchmaking. Uh pat on the back for me and you, mate. So yeah. Couple more things before we just preview this weekend's UFC. Again, like this weekend, one of those funny weekends where the UFC is probably the most lackluster fight event of the weekend. Uh, Bellator, like two sixty three or some shit. Uh, again, Pitbull against AJ McKee. Finally, after quite a lot of build up. Should be a really good fight. I will probably watch that. AJ McKee looks really good. He's been on a bit of a tear, but you know, Pitbull is an absolute animal. So, yeah, I'm not hyping this up very well, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be pretty good, eh? 
It's fucking Bellator. Nah, nah. Yeah, exactly. No, there's actually a great matchup. It's just like, it's one of those. Only if you really follow MMA will you really will you actually know about this. But yeah, AJ McKee is phenomenal. He's a beast. Uh, hasn't lost a fight in how many years? Long time. Mm. And he's fighting Pitbull Freer, uh, who is also an absolute animal Brazilian dude. Both really well rounded. Uh, should be an absolute scrap. Yeah, it will be exactly that. And then just quickly while we're on it, uh, so Michael Venom Page is going to fight Douglas Lima for the second time in London uh, on October the 1st, which would also be, yeah, a really, really good fight. So, yeah, shout out to Bellator. They're not doing too badly. Uh, Blood Diamond as well. Uh, the Blood Diamond. Do you know Blood Diamond's actual name? Or is he just Diamond? Diamond. Blood, no. <laughs> uh, fucking Blood Lucifer. The Devil Diamond or something. I don't actually know, to be honest. It's just Blood Diamond. Yeah. Uh, Blood Diamond is his name, Matt. So, this guy, Blood Diamond, trains with Adesanya and comes from City Kickboxing New Zealand. Uh, he's massively hyped up. So, I think like Volkanovski, Adesanya, Hooker, Kaikara France, all the guys who train at City Kickboxing have said he is an absolute savage. And that all the welterweights need to watch out because there's a fucking blood diamonds coming to make them bloody diamonds or something. So make them bleed diamonds. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he looks. So, uh, I hear he's got a very unorthodox stand-up style. Another, you know, city kickboxing prodigy who's got some mad kickboxing record and has now transitioned to MMA has probably got insanely good stand-up, like a lot of the city kickboxing guys. And, yeah, I can imagine he'll make a... Uh, he'll have a good go at the UFC. So, yeah, congrats to him. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Big advantage coming from the camp in which he does too. You know, got a lot of guys there already in the UFC, so they, uh, they can help him out with adjusting yeah. to the transition that is strike into MMA. So one one more bit of news though in the world of uh jiu-jitsu, my uh, sort of favored sport, uh the Danaher Death Squad, probably the most prolific team in all of jiu-jitsu have produced absolute killers like Gordon Ryan, Nicky Ryan, uh Nicky Rodriguez, Eddie Cummins, Gary Tonin. Sorry, just for just, people who don't know the, the grapplers, I think Danaher trains with GSP as well. And who are, who are the MMA fighters? He says he's got he's fucking loads. I can't remember any of them. Uh, loads of MMA, loads of sick MMA fighters have gone for his gym and trained. But yeah, he was in GSP's corner Yeah, for most of GSP's career. So yeah, he's literally like the best jiu-jitsu coach in the world. Uh, apart from my coach, Anthony Newman, of course. Uh, but yeah. He's, he's a phenomenal jiu-jitsu coach and has produced... Gordon Ryan's probably the best no-gi grappler of all time. And, yeah, basically, they he announced this week that the squad's breaking up. So, for anyone that cares about jiu-jitsu, that's, like, pretty big news. Um, I believe Gordon Ryan's going to open his own academy in Texas. So, he's breaking off from their team in New York. So, yeah. Sad day for uh, grappling, but he's probably just going to produce. John Danaher's going to continue to to produce animals because he's an unbelievable coach, and Gordon Ryan's probably going to do the same thing. So yeah, yeah, Best absolutely. Of them, mate. Yeah, good luck to all of them because yeah, as you say, was it uh, Gordon Ryan's struggled with quite a lot of health problems as of late as well. He's uh, got um. Fuck, what's it called? He's got stomach issues. Like uh, yeah, I'm trying, to think of, like that. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, well, I can, uh, doesn't matter. But yeah, he just has massive stomach problems. I feel like that's probably contributed massively to the team splitting up, unfortunately. But yeah, as you say, it's just a great shame because, yeah, they're probably like the greatest ever, potentially the greatest ever sporting team. Probably never been a team to be as dominant in their specific sport as of them. 
in terms of you know was it the ADCC champions or the finals were always like Gary Tonin v Gordon Ryan or whatever it's always like the team competing against each other because they're just so much better than everyone else for sure man so yeah something a bit more lighthearted to finish up on the news Jackass 4 coming out big fan of that really like it very funny a lot of mental cunts doing things to potentially kill themselves and for our entertainment yeah for our entertainment and I think rumour has it that this year coming from Nganu Francis Nganu who is by all means the scariest person on the planet the hardest hitting man on the planet considering he is the heavyweight champion of the world and the guys from Jackass got him to punch someone in the balls. And this was Ngannou's quote, right? That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Man, I had to punch someone, somebody in the nuts. I did it the first time and they said, listen, man, we know you. People know that you're the hardest puncher in the world. It wasn't hard enough. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I can hurt this guy. Did he at least have kids already? So, yeah, just to be clear, Ngannou just punched someone in the balls. It was not Johnny Knoxville. It was someone else, and he did it twice. It kind of hurts even thinking about that. I can't even fathom how fucking painful that would be. Odds on it being Steve-O. Does Steve-O have kids? I don't know, but he... got to be someone has who has done... kids. you got to think, if you're going to allow someone to do that, you have to at least have made the most of your crown jewels before they essentially get fucking ripped apart because... I mean, there's no it, way your, mate, your balls if, are going to survive that. Have you watched Jackass though? They're literally constantly attacking their own penis, balls, anuses. Their bodies are just broken. Hey, all right, Matt, 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 Matt. Imagine your balls, Jackass, are Alistair Overeem's head, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got Nganu coming with an uppercut from fucking hell at your fucking balls, Matt. Mate, don't get me wrong. It would get. It would hurt to be punched by a, f- a six-year-old in the balls. <laughs> so, Francis Ngannou, heavyweight UFC champion of the world, hardest hitter we've ever seen. Yeah, I can imagine that would hurt a bit. But, like, all I'm saying is it's jackass. Like, they're constantly, like, hammering their own balls and, like, fucking splintering themselves and just doing crazy shit. So, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, I don't think I'd be able to survive that. So... <laughs> Surely they must be wearing some kind of protection over, like, a little bit. Sure, like, mate, you literally would just throw up everywhere, wouldn't you? I mean, your <laughs> testicles would be ruptured. Surely there's absolutely no way they would survive that. There's no way. Yeah, it doesn't even bear thinking, to be honest. But uh, fair play to whoever just decided they were going to get punched <laughs> in the balls of Francis and Garnier. That's ridiculous. And the fact that he did it and then asked him to do it harder. Yeah. Shit, man. Probably wasn't him that was like, yeah, you know what, mate? Why don't you just do that a bit harder, eh? When the yeah, paycheck the comes in. Again, no. That's it. When the paycheck comes in from the film, though, I'm sure it'll make a lot. The guy who got punched in the balls can probably pay for, like, testable reconstruction. Balls, yeah, something like that. <laughs> so it'll be fine. How much money would you have to have to take an uppercut there from Ngani? A lot. How much? And Give me a figure. Like Bear in mind, mil? you're essentially saying goodbye to your testicles. There's no way they're surviving that. Unless, I mean, unless somehow you can find some kind of surgery or some shit. How much? Do you say 10 mil? mil? 200 million? 200 million. <laughs> Fuck off, mate. You do it for a million. Yeah, I'll do it for like 10 grand and a packet of crisps. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt. All yeah, right. so we'll just finish up with this weekend's UFC which features Sean Strickland against Uriah Primetime Hall off the back of Hall's um, unfortunate encounter with Chris Weidman that only lasted a few seconds before Weidman snapped his leg in half. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. Again, like, this is... I don't want to say the worst because I, 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 really, I don't really like when people actually about the cards like it's quite disrespectful but this is probably the weakest UFC card I've seen in quite a long time 
Uh, but I, I think they were meant to have another fight on this card. From what I remember, I think there was meant to be another fight on this card that got cancelled for some reason or other. So it's understandable. And next weekend is the pay per view. Derek Lewis will be still gone. So yeah. But anywho, your eye will be Sean Strickland. It's quite a fascinating matchup, to be fair. But like Strickland might just take him down to fuck him up. But who you got and how? Strickland's a banger. He's got hands. So does he have hands against Uriah Hall though? If you're Strickland, are you going in to that fight to strike? Depends what Uriah Hall shows up because sometimes he true. just bottles it. Sometimes he bottles it, and if someone's putting mad pressure on him, he kind of just seems to run out of ideas sometimes. But he is Uriah Hall at the same time, so he might just spin in fucking three sixty tornado kick him into another planet. So yeah, yep. Oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, mate, this, look at since, that tremendous uh, we talked, analysis of this fight fucking hell <laughs> since we talked about uh, Lima and uh, <laughs> the I literally just was, mentioning man. Bellator's just thrown up yeah, off our rhythm fucking Bellator, Bellator man. <laughs> they have like one good ruining card everything. every like every year there's like one good card wait where the fuck's Romero anyway still haven't seen Romero fight there bullshit mate what the fuck are you doing Scott Matt fucking sort it out uh, but yeah alright well we'll end it there yeah this has been a lot of fun if anyone watches the Bella Tour or the UFC enjoy it and uh, yeah we'll see you next week for the big pay-per-view big big pay-per-view next week next week Derek Lewis are all gone Nunes back Aldo v Munoz which is oh amazing fight Vicente Luca v Triasas Yodong v Casey Kenny yeah, that's a banger of a fight card. So, yeah, I look forward to previewing that. Yeah, uh, this has been fun, as always. Thanks anyone for tuning in. Love the sport, and uh, yeah, come on the Lions. Yeah, fucking oh, fucking smoke those Springboks on Saturday, mate. Yeah. See you in the next one.